Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley, and this is Season 7, Episode 36, How to Be a Leader Who Moves in Excellence. So today I am joined by Dr. Crystal Epting, principal of Flowwood Elementary School, located in Flowwood, Mississippi. Crystal is a transformational leader and change agent and is fiercely committed to move in excellence. Now, in addition to leading her own school, Crystal connects with other leaders through her involvement in NAESP. So welcome, Crystal. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm so glad that you are here. I know you and I were chatting that we were both in the same place last year at the NAESP conference, but didn't run into each other. So we're definitely going to have to make it a point to run into each other this summer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Crystal, as we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about the school that you lead? Sure. Well, I am a second year principal in Flowood Elementary School. My school is pre-K through fifth grade. Uh, We have about 500 students who attend our school. Um, And we are typically a high-performing school um, on state assessments, but also a a very diverse school for our area of the state. We're in central Mississippi. Okay. Um, And we have, so we have a higher ill population of students um, and students from all walks of life. Even at one time, our school had um, about over 11 different languages uh, represented in our building. So that's kind of unique for us in the, given the part of the state that we're in. So I am just, you know, a change agent, a transformational leader. I'm all about moving, growing and improving toward more excellence. Well, that's awesome. And so congratulations for that high achievement. Now, as a second year principal coming in um, to a high achieving school, you know, sometimes every every takeover has its set of challenges, right? I've had some guests who when they took mm-hmm. over, you know, they were trying to claw their way to the top. And it sounds like you're kind of already there. But what we found is that sometimes staying there is even more difficult <laughs> than getting there. So talk to me about, you know, being a second year principal. There's always thoughts about what do I keep? What do I change? How do I continue to move people in the direction of even, you know, reaching higher? Talk to me about some of the intentional decisions that you've made to make that happen. Well, one thing I try to do is just to keep my messaging of excellence very strong through my communication with staff and students and families. And so one of the things that I, you know, especially as a second year principal, you're still, your people are still really getting to know you in depth um, and that those trusting relationships are still being built. So I think making sure we're on, we, we are all speaking that common language of what it means to be excellent in our tier one instruction, what it means to be excellent in our parent communication, what it means to be excellent with our kids and the way that we care um, about our students and our families. So again, just getting on the same page with that language of expectation and moving people toward the vision um, has been a huge focus for me in year two in a new building. So let me ask you this, what does that look like from a process perspective of getting on the same page with common language? How did you engage in that? Well, one of the things is I have to be clear and consistent with my messaging to staff. So they are hearing that word of excellence. I'm explaining what that means to me, of what I'm envisioning in my head, but understanding that I alone cannot own the vision. There has to be collective buy-in. So I really rely on my leadership team to be that thread and that common voice throughout the building 
Um, there's about 65 staff members and 500 students, as I mentioned. And so it can get to be kind of tedious to make sure everybody, you know, is speaking the same language and understands uh, where we're headed. So making sure those key players in the building get it, right, mm -hmm. that they're on board with where we're headed so that they too can convey that. Um, that is done through our leadership team meeting agendas. That is done through my weekly communication with staff. I'm always mentioning Move in Excellence. That is done through adding hashtags of Move in Excellence on mm -hmm. that we do as a building. So really it comes down to that collective branding um, that we're still in the process of, of, of building and running with it. You know, that's such an important thing that I think so many people forget about is, is that consistency um, and just the power of words, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, once you start to hear it and see it and, and own it, it, it starts to become internalized, right? Um, so I think that that's, that's, a, that's a really small move that is such a powerful move is that, like you mentioned, that hashtag, like everything we do is move in excellence. So suddenly we're all speaking the same language, kids included, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will ask students at times, I will say, well, how are you excellent today? Because moving in excellence, you know, doesn't always mean large sweeping moves. Sometimes moves are very small and can be largely impactful. So, you know, I want to know how my, stu my students are moving in excellence and I, in turn, am modeling what it means to make moves in excellence. It means to be active and, and, and show action. It's not just a thought process. It's not just reflection, but it's about taking actionable steps toward greater. So. I love that. I love that. How are you excellent today? You know, that could be kind of like an internal reflection. Like I'm thinking myself, like if that were mine, I'd be driving home and there'd be days of like, okay, Jill, how are you excellent today? Because, you know, as leaders, we have to be mindful of that as well. And that's just a great question that everyone can reflect upon to keep moving in the right direction. Absolutely. So, Crystal, as a second year principal, we know that first year can sometimes be like uh, like a firing squad, right? Uh, but you do so many things. I know you have so much to be proud of. When I ask you to reflect upon the one thing that you feel most proud of within your time that you've been at Flowwood as the principal, what would you say that one thing is? I would say continuing caring relationships for students, getting to know students on a deep level. Everything rises and falls on our relationships with our students. Mm -hmm. We have to let our students know that we care about them. They do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. And so I would say I'm very proud of my staff and I too have modeled this of checking in on kids. How are you? How was your weekend? Or noticing if something's going on with them, if they come in, not the usual sales when they get off the buses or out of the cars and just kind of inquiring into what's going on and just letting them know they have a caring adult in the building who wants them to be there and who wants them to have a successful and excellent day. So um, absolutely, our staff does a great job of those deep, caring relationships mm -hmm. for our students because, you know, as hard as it is, we take it personally sometimes, you know, they're our kids, they're our kids, you know, from then on. And so that's, that, is, that is so, yeah. And you're right. That's where it all starts. So if you don't have that, nothing else matters, right? Absolutely. So as a newer leader, we also know that, and I reflect upon my own leadership early on, was things that I, I feel pretty good about now. When I first started them, they might not have been such a success, and I was failing forward a whole lot. So what are a couple of things that you feel that you've learned along your way as you've started as your, in your principalship that you feel are impactful leadership lessons or practices that you'd like to share with the listeners? 
I would say don't assume anything. (laughs) (laughs) Don't assume what people know. Don't assume what people do not know. (laughs) Uh, Model your expectations. And then once you have modeled that and shared that with staff, you have to inspect what you expect. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means follow up and follow through. So I think that's a two-part question is don't assume what people know and don't assume what they don't know, but then Mm -hmm. also follow up on those initiatives, on those um, expectations that you've laid out to your staff, whether that comes from an instructional standpoint, um, an SEL standpoint, a curriculum-based changes um, standpoint, whatever that initiative may be in your school or your district, you have to have follow-up and follow-through for sure. And, you know, doesn't that become the most tricky part? Because that requires sustainable systems, you know? So that's that's on the forefront of, okay, if this is what I'm, I'm expecting, how am I going to inspect it? And how am I going to create a system that allows me to continue to inspect it? Because you've probably found um, that once, you know, it's just like with kids. Once you, once you quit paying attention to it, you know, they'll slack off. And I think the same is true with adults. If that, if we don't make that a pillar of our, you know, if you're moving excellence, if that it has to be a focus of that pillar or everybody's human right and so uh, how do you how have you gone about what systems have you put in place to make sure that you're able to keep that system sustainable of of inspecting what you're expecting well one of the thought leaders i really i have read a lot of her work Brene brown or i've heard her mentioned many times on your podcast <laughs> by leaders but she has this concept of circling back Yes. Um, So it is a continuous cycle of assessing how are we doing, reflecting together collectively, making changes, going back, inspecting when we come back. So there's a continuous feedback loop, I think, that happens when you introduce something, you expect teachers to implement it. You have continuous conversations about that and you always circle back. You keep coming back to it because that lets staff know that this is an expectation and we, we will not waver from that. We will not mm-hmm. uh, lower what our expectations are, but it also lets them know, hey, we're, we're here to provide continuous support. We're going to keep going to keep talking about it um, because, like you said, if you divert your attention away from it, you know, others, their attention is not going to be exactly where you need it to be as well. So I think you just constantly have to have conversations about what works and what does not work in your building. Yeah, and that means prioritizing too, right? Because there's so many things that educators are responsible for that I think it's easy to become overwhelmed, particularly post-pandemic. Yeah. So I think that's that whole notion of, you know, less is more. Uh, let's go deeper, not wider, right? Right, absolutely. Pick two or three new things and do those really well. <laughs> <laughs> because there, there will always be competing priorities. And I, I believe that's one of the challenges. You know, I think one of your questions you typically uh-huh. ask guests is, what is one of the toughest challenges you faced? And I think the competing priorities, because we have so many as leaders, everything from budget to hiring, to facilities, to curriculum changes, uh, to staffing, you know, so all those things, systems and schedules and, uh, you know, so, so again, the list goes on and on, but just maintaining, managing those priorities is, is a never ending game. So let me ask you this. Let's jump to that question because you're right. Uh, managing priorities. Um, I think that's that's an ongoing challenge for any level of experience of a leader. But for a brand new principal, how did you determine, you know, when I've got so many things coming down the pike, how did you determine what your priorities were? 
I believe you have to have a finger on the pulse of what's going on in your building. And the only way to do that is to be in classrooms, to be highly visible, to talk to staff often, not just in structured settings of meetings, but also just dropping by in the mornings or in, and seeing them in the hallways or in the cafeteria. Um, I think that when you talk about instructional priorities, you know, one of the first things we have to get to before we can even get to the instruction is just making sure our staff are in a good place uh, mentally about where things are going right now, especially in this global pandemic world that we live in. I mean, you hear you hear and see all the articles about teacher shortages, about burnout, about fatigue, about the quiet resignation, um, all these things that are coming up since po the pandemic entered our worlds and rocked all of our worlds in the educational sphere. Um, but I think that making sure that teachers in, are in that good place. So I've had a huge focus this school year, my second year on staff wellness. Mm. Um, that's been a huge focus for, for me as far as bringing in resources, um, ideas to, to allow my staff to just have a moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, whether that is through uh, exercise classes after school. Mm -hmm. Whether that is through bringing in our active health representatives that our state insurance is kind of through that. So bringing them in to talk about sleep management, to talk about stress management, um, all of these things uh, to let them know what resources are available for them, you know, through through their state health insurance. So, you know, those type of things take time and planning to do, but they are worth making time for if we're going to retain our best teachers in, in, in the educational field. And you are so right, Crystal. I mean, because let's face it, time is the one thing we can never get more of. So it really is about determining how we're prioritizing time for ourselves and for our staff. And, you know, it, particularly it, we talked about in this post-pandemic world, you know, the trauma and the SEL needs of kids, we, we knew and kind of anticipated were, were increasing, but they've increased with our adults too. So, you know, as to where we used to have faculty meetings that were, you know, solely based on curricular decisions or assessment. Now, you know, when we've got that coveted time with staff, making sure that we're embedding some of that time that is just taking care of them right? Because they, we're all the, our worst critic of taking care of ourselves. So sometimes setting that time aside where it's almost like mandated time, but it's mandated right. time to take care of yourself. That's a, that's a really great, um, that's a really great think through um, and such a wise decision as a new principal. I know your people certainly appreciate that. Yes. And I know I, I try to start, especially our PLC meetings, uh, which are monthly, but I, you know, I do a, an SEL check-in with my staff. I ask them, how are you? I give them a sticky note and say, today I am blank. And giving mm -hmm. them a moment to share if they feel structured or they feel settled or they feel uneasy. Um, and it's not something that I take the entire time to do, but you'll be surprised at how powerful that two to three minute check-in with your group when you're meeting with them in smaller groups and departments of what that means to them. And then I also try to end each meeting and even individual conversations with staff with mm -hmm. how else can I support you? What else do you need from me? Um, just to know that they have that there, that moment, that opportunity to say, hey, I need more of this or I need less of this. Um, so again, I'm, I try to be very poignant, very intentional about asking those two questions, checking in the how are you at the beginning, beginning of the meeting? And then what do you need from me or what else? And what other ways can I support you as your principal?
I love that. And, you know, as educators, we're not like the corporate world that has all this built in flex time for wellness, right? Right. <laughs> so, so, so it's like having to think outside of the box because, you know, our people needed as much, if not more than corporate America. So it's, it's really unfortunate that that's not kind of in piece of an educator's week or month or day that we're as leaders having to figure out, okay, it's a priority on top of the other priorities. So how do we, you know, shift some things around to make sure our people are taken care of? Because if, you know, it's just like if kids don't know we care and if our people don't know that we're taking care of them, nothing else matters. And it doesn't matter if you understand standards-based grading. It doesn't matter if you're working on that, you know, uh, personalized learning plan. If you're not okay, you can't take care of the kids and make sure they're okay. Yes, agree. All right, so here's another one. So. Since you're a second year principal, that means that probably it wasn't too very long ago when you were in leadership prep classes. Uh, Now that you've gotten the job, what are one or two things that you're like, whoo, where was this class? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that's a that's a good question. There's so many things I could say there. Um, I, I think one particular aspect of it would be the differences in leading and managing. Mm-hmm. and that what it means to lead and what it means to manage processes, people, and data versus leading, which is the transformative change agent type of work, uh, is vastly different Different in the pro- approach. Uh, one of the books I read is um, John Maxwell's. The, it's, it talks about different, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but it talks about the five levels of leadership and that Mm -hmm. you lead people at different levels in your organization. That is not something at all that I would have ever anticipated in my prep program is, Oh, wow. You can't lead everyone in the building the same way you have to, (laughs) you know? Um, But it takes into consideration the different personalities, the experiences they bring, whether they've been on the staff for a long time or have not. Everyone needs different things from us as leaders. And that's a, that's a tall order at times. Um, so I think the leading and management um, contrast there. And then the second thing I would say is related to data and digging mm-hmm. into the data and digging into it at a deep level. Um, and the importance of understanding the data, analyzing the data and making moves based on the data. Um, that part, I do not believe was emphasized enough in our programs, but it's one of those things that once you're in it and you're walking the walk, you see how much it is, how important that is. Doesn't it kind of feel like the pieces that we're missing were the about people classes, (laughs) right? Like, like there was so much theory about, you know, uh, policy and this and that. And while that's all important, I'm reflecting on my own. I don't remember there being too much around and here's how you do people well. And so I think to your point, that's about that whole leadership, because mm-hmm. understanding that every individual that we lead is different and in and, and some respect takes a different type of leadership or, you know, a little tweak to it. I w- I'm with you. That would have been a very helpful class to have. Yes, absolutely. It, we are definitely in the people business. <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure and I think um, you know I think that gets downplayed do you know yeah. uh, th- I think that there's just so much and I think that's why so often well not so often I guess but I think that's when people struggle sometimes
sometimes it's because just because you are a good teacher doesn't necessarily mean you'd make a good assistant principal or, you know, just, just because you were great as an educator doesn't mean that you're going to be necessarily a great administrator. And so I think that's where that piece is missing is because when people get into a lot of the classes, it, it is a lot around the policies and practice and scenarios, but there's not a tremendous amount about here's how you lead people because you can't just take your good teaching teacher qualities and take those to your next job because then you're missing so many other pieces. Absolutely. So you've probably seen that this job could overwhelm you, um, cause you to be around the clock if you let it. Uh, <laughs> so it's, so that's why it's so important that we have to set boundaries for ourselves. And so, you know, this early on, or maybe even later on, you know, one of the things I've learned with guests this season, that this is probably the one thing that we're not very good at is setting those boundaries for ourselves. So as you try to take care of your people and you're putting all these great things in place for them to focus on their wellness and mental health and social and emotional growth, what things are you putting in place for Crystal to make sure she's, she's taken care of as well? Well, definitely email is is where I would start with that. I try very, very hard not to check work email on the weekends. Um, that is something that, you know, I have certain blocks of time throughout the week that I look at that. And again, it's a work in progress. It's not perfect. <laughs> um, but, I, I, you know, I'm just of the opinion that if my staff needs me, they can reach out to me via phone. They, they have my phone number. They can text me um, for any kind of emergencies that come up, but I feel like an email can wait. Um, you know, even if it's Monday morning when I touch it. <laughs> um, I also try to do the hard work of deciding which days I'll stay late. Mm -hmm. um, picking a couple of days a week, two to three days maybe that I stay late. Um, as you said, I'm very new in this role as principal, as lead principal. I was an assistant principal for five years and the seats are definitely different. Um, but now I try to be very intentional about, okay, these are the days that I must leave the office, you know, on time, whatever that is um, for principals, which is from <laughs> place to place. Um, so I do try to, to, to be very intentional about which and then with the emails, I try to hold off on that on the weekend and try not to model and try not to do that for my staff as a model of, um, you know, of protecting their boundaries as well. So. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned something that I want you to, to elaborate on a little bit differently because you said, so I was an AP for five years and now I'm the principal and those jobs are very different. So talk to me about what are some of the most stark differences that you've observed besides now having all the responsibility uh, <laughs> that you're that you're noticing um, any surprises or things that you noticed that maybe were a surprise. Like I was the AP and here's what I thought the job was going to be. And then I became the principal and not so much. The work is very challenging. Um, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that. But when you're in the seat, it, it's on a different level than you expect. Um, you know, an AP is the closest version you would get to being a lead principal or head principal. And I've worked long hours, but the sustainability of systems and expectations and the personnel um, side of things when dealing with personnel matters, that that was 
it was a surprise at how much of that goes on and how much of that <laughs> needed in oversight. So, uh, you know, the assistant principal role allowed me an opportunity to see some things up close, but there are some things I did not understand until I became principal. So what advice would you have for assistant principals, Crystal, who are who are thinking they're ready or wanting to put their, their hat in the principal opportunity ring? What advice do you have for them as far as like, make sure you're ready for this mm-hmm. before you just take the leap? I would say take your PD in your own hands, um, your PD and your development as an AP. What I mean by that is to always uh, find ways that you can help your principal. Mm. Find things that you can take on, uh, initiatives that you can take on, particular aspects of, uh, especially the academically related parts of the job, um, as much as you can helping there, because that will help you in the principalship. But also uh, being hungry enough to talk with other people who are APs who would like who are principals follow people who are principals on Twitter, you have to see yourself in the position before you're in the position. And so I think one of the ways we do that is by following people who are successful in that role, we would like to project ourselves into um, for our next stop on our educational career journey. So being hungry, doing the homework and helping the principal as much as possible is the best, you know, is the best uh, kind of apprenticeship to get ready for the principalship. That's, that's a great advice. Um, and then, like you said, following different people because everybody does it a little bit differently because their school is a little bit different and they're a different type of leader. So just understanding that and putting yourself out there, I think, is really, really great advice. So speaking of following other people, we know that we're one another's own best resources. Uh, so when you think about people that you're connected with um, on either social media or things you've read or, you know, just people that you're like, oh, following these people or reading what they have to say has really helped me grow in my leadership. Who are, who are a couple of those people that you'd want to mention? Oh, I have so many. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, uh, so first I would say Broody Kefele, Principal Kefele has Uh done lots of uh, speaking engagements all over the country, spoken at NASP. Uh, is actually the first time and when it was in Spokane, Washington is the first time that I uh, heard him speak live. He has lots of videos on YouTube about job interviews, um, all kinds of topics from instructional supervision to relationship with the AP to parental engagement. Um, he has committed to an AP assistant uh, virtual academy Mm. All, all over YouTube, and he's been doing that for about two years. So there are like hundreds of episodes um, where he's brought on leaders, or he's just you know run those himself. But it's really wise advice when it comes to leadership in schools. I'd also say Todd Whitaker. Um, I've read several mm-hmm. of his books. Uh, what great principals do differently? What great teachers do differently? Um, and so, and again, he's spoken all over the country, but he has great books that are kind of, kind of like if you're sitting across from somebody in your office and just talking to them about leadership, that's what put his books, the way that they read, put me in the mind of that. I'd also say Adam Welcome. Mm, yes. <laughs> he has a podcast called The School District. Uh, and I, I love that he brings in various perspectives from various roles in, in, in those podcasts. And he too has spoken in many places over the country. And uh, last but not least, I say Dr. Ryan Daniel, who is a fellow through NASP. 
uh, has done a lot with her school. I love just following her Twitter feed and seeing the unique things she's doing with her school. Um, everything from a, you know, a, a STEM club for pre-K to the way that she greets students in the hallways. So I just love her energy around her school. And she's also an NASP fellow. So, you know, I, let me tell you something. If you have a connection with her crystal, because she doesn't allow messages on Twitter. So I've reached out to her on LinkedIn and she's agreed to be on the podcast, but I know she's busy too. But so if you can get in touch with her directly, tell her to follow up with me. Cause, cause I, uh, I had the opportunity to hear her speak at, at NASP last year. And I was like, Ooh, got to get her on there. So mm-hmm. if you, if you, have a way to reach out to her say hey follow up with Jill so we can get you on the show <laughs> yes yeah, great to have she's yeah she's she is a ball of energy fire. she really has yes. fire about this work you know so absolutely. I'll that too. absolutely she does um now let me ask you this because I know that you're fairly active on on um educational chats as well is that correct Yes, I've done some um, in the past. I've done some like Twitter chats on Read to Lead Book Club that where we were kind of that was during my you know kind of AP days and mm-hmm. we were connecting through book clubs with other principals from different uh, or other school leaders, not just necessarily just principals, but in other leadership roles in education to read books like Fierce Conversations and have chats about those. So that is something I've done in some of my past work for sure. So tell me, um, do you have a favorite Twitter chat that you liked that you're a regular? Um, not one particularly lately, <laughs> just <laughs> been so, so busy. Um, but there are several out there. I mean, you know, there's, uh, several, I like, um, it's not necessarily chat, but principles in action. There's some mm-hmm. hashtags I like to follow on, uh, Twitter moms as principles. Um, those aren't necessarily chats, but there are people that you know, they just get it because they are our principles of action. They're moms who are principals. Yeah. <laughs> so I love following certain people on there and I'm looking to up, up my engagement with Twitter. But I, I just think Twitter is the best PD for all of us, for anyone who aspires to be more or to, to ascend in a ladder of leadership. I think that Twitter is our best PD. And Todd I, Whitaker said that too. So it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, there are times that I'm just scrolling. The next thing I look up, I'm like, oh, it's 45 minutes later, you know, but but it's it, unlike um, like Facebook. And I'm not, you know, because I think that it, it plays its own role as well. But, you know, I, I don't think that we can lump all social media as the same. And I know that Twitter really is a place that I have learned so much. I've connected with so many people as a result of that. And it really is, you know, this is a lonely job. So so being able to kind of find your people is, is really Twitter really really provides that opportunity. Yes, absolutely. And I love that our schools are very similar. Um, yes. Demographics. I did some research on you <laughs> there and I thought, oh, when I, you know, saw the demographics of the school, size of the school, very similar. So I love being able to connect with other leaders and that if I had to give one piece of advice to your listeners, for anyone who's an AP who would love to be a principal or anyone who's currently a principal, connect, connect outside of your district, connect outside of your state, because you can learn so much from others who are doing wonderful things on our campuses. Absolutely. All right, Crystal, last question. So what are three words that other people who know you would use to describe you? I would say optimistic, um, visionary, because I'm always thinking about the next thing and envisioning what's the next, what's better, what the next step is. And um. I would say serious. I'm serious about the work. I think they they know that um, 
I just carry this heavy responsibility on my shoulders for for the students and the families and the staff in our school. And so I, I would say others would say probably optimistic, visionary and serious about the work. You know, you just mentioned something that a lot of guests have alluded to is, is that one that, that question around what are some things you wish you would have known? And I think the heaviness of the job. Not just not just the day-to-day responsibilities, but what you just said, like understanding that literally everything begins and ends with you and that how carrying that home and trying to set boundaries so that you don't carry the heaviness of, you know, supporting your all your people when they're going through really tough challenges or families or students. Uh, that's a big one that I think that as I'm sitting here thinking about APs who are ready to be the principal, because of course, you're, you know, if you're any employee of the school, you're absorbing some of that. But mm-hmm. as the principal, it kind of all goes into somebody was talking about like a backpack full of rocks I can't remember which guest was talking about that but like every people tell you stuff or share things with you and you're assuming all of these and it's like your backpack full of rocks is just getting heavier and heavier and heavier and learning how to leave that backpack in the office and not take it home with you is is can sometimes be challenging that is so true that is so true and that's a great analogy to describe it (laughs) but we have to find find that as we work on our boundaries and creating those boundaries (laughs) So that we can somewhat strike a balance between work and home life, which is very hard to do at times. Um, it, that That is a, such a true analogy of the work and, and that backpack. I do like that as a way of describing it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Crystal, you've shared so many great things today. If people would like to follow up with you or get in contact with you or connect, what's the best way to connect with sure. you? Well, um, on Twitter, which I love for my favorite PD, it is at Dr. K.P. Epting. Um, and then on LinkedIn, I'm Crystal Epting, PhD. All righty. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. And I'm wishing you a wonderful rest of the school year. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you at this summer's NAESP conference. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, Crystal, take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, How to Be a Leader Who Moves in Excellence, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Now, friends, if this is your first episode or you've not listened to any of the other amazing guests this season or any of the previous seasons, I encourage you to give it a listen. And while you're listening, go ahead and follow or subscribe to the show so that you get automatic episode updates for Be the Leader You Deserve podcast. In fact, do it right now. All right, friends. And while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave a review or rating just to let me know what you think. I make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that I get, and it really does help when it comes to the ranking of the show. And finally, friends, because you know I think we are our own best resources, if we aren't connected on Twitter and LinkedIn, let's change that status. As you go about your week, friends, I encourage you to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve? And what am I doing about it?